I've been exploring transformational medicine for over 22 years, including the entire psychedelic pantheon of all of the plant medicine ceremonies. And one of the most powerful journeys that I've ever been able to be a part of is the Awaken Breathwork offered by Lucas Mack and Hella Weston. They come from New Zealand. Their childhood, their past was filled with a lot of trauma, a lot of difficulty, and they bring that into their work with deep compassion and reverence for all humans. Whatever we have experienced, it's like they've been there too, and they have the techniques to really help you alleviate and move and heal from whatever trauma that you're experiencing. They're also absolutely cosmic, epic, wise, and I'm honored to sit down with them and call them family. I can't wait to share this podcast with you. But before we get started, I want to mention to you all that we're starting a new text message-based community around the concept of self-love. During my journey through life, through all of the challenges and tribulations, through relationship, I've come to recognize that having healthy, strong self-love is the biggest buffer towards all of those existential and relational challenges that you might find when you really know yourself and love yourself and become that cup that is overflowing with an abundance of love. Not only do you attract more love because you have more to give, you're also far less susceptible to manipulations from other people, toxic relationships, and ways in which people can make you feel shitty about yourself. So we're putting together a community based around text messages that's going to send out weekly quotes, inspirations, and practices, and all get together and communicate around this very important topic of self-love. So all you have to do is text the number 512-572-5222. Once again, 512-572-5222. It kind of sounds like a Mike Jones number. It's pretty good, actually. And uh, you'll get access to the text message-based community and get access to these weekly reminders to practice the skill and the art of cultivating true self-love. And now a word from our sponsors. First up, we have Worldview. You've probably heard me talk about Worldview because it's one of the most exciting things on the horizon. Actually, it's literally on the horizon. These are helium balloons taking you up in a capsule to the stratosphere where you can live stream your experience and shit on everybody who still believes in flat earth. But that's actually not the real reason to do it. You're gonna get to see the world from a really different perspective. You're gonna get to rediscover earth and earth without the borders without the lines that are drawn in the sand that say, this is mine, this is yours, to see everything as one home, one organism with many cells, and also look up to the sky from 120,000 feet in the stratosphere, the curvature of the earth that's outlined by the black of space, and then look up at the stars through telescopes and look down at some of the great sights of the world. For those of us who are fortunate enough to be able to get tickets to go up into the stratosphere, it's gonna be a wildly transformative experience. And then for those of us who are just gonna to get to see the content, to watch people's experiences and to live through the eyes and the cameras of those that are having this, I just can't wait until this technology is available. And this will be sometime in 2023. Reservations are going fast. So if you're curious about what that looks like, go to thewholeworldview.com. 
check it out. They have some amazing renderings. They've done over a hundred test flights. You can listen to my past podcasts with Alan Stern if you want to understand a bit more about what they have to offer. But I'm just really honored to be a part of this company and to be able to tell you guys about it. And I'm going to be even more honored to be able to have that perspective shifting view of the world from the stratosphere. So once again, go to thewholeworldview.com to check it out and see what it's all about. Next up, we have Inside Tracker. So as many of you know, I founded a company called Onnit based upon total human optimization. And so many of the tools that we have are beneficial to bring you to an optimal state of performance. But one of the challenges with that is sometimes you need quantification. Sometimes you need to understand what specifically you need to work on. And to do that, you need some support. And one of the best services to come about is called Inside Tracker. Our good friend Andrew Huberman backs them and supports them. They really go through a comprehensive analysis of not only your blood work, but your lifestyle and everything that's going on to give you a clear view and some recommendations on how to bring you to an optimal state of performance. So I encourage you guys to check it out. It was founded by a bunch of top leading scientists in aging, genetics, biometrics. They have algorithms that analyze your body's data. There's some really strong science-backed recommendations for your diet, lifestyle changes. It's really customized, bespoke advice and can be really valuable. So if you're interested, for a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Go to insidetracker.com backslash AMP. Once again, insidetracker.com slash AMP for 25% off. And finally, we have Onnit. Now, I have all of the Onnit supplements in the world and even some other supplements. My supplement cabinet is stocked. And oftentimes, I'll still pick and choose which pills I want. But recently, I've been really busy doing a lot of podcasts, doing a lot of writing, doing a lot of things. So I've just switched entirely to the Total Human Packs. Because what the Total Human Packs are is that is a one-stop day pack and night pack that has all the goodies that you need in it. And you don't even have to think about it. So I just wake up in the morning, still a little groggy. I have a little bit of sea salt in my water and I rip open the day pack, done. And at night, when it's time to go to bed, rip open the night pack, swallow it down, done. It's so easy to do and I feel so good. And honestly, when I was doing my own thing, sometimes just out of sheer convenience, I wouldn't take any supplements and then I wouldn't be as optimized as I am right now just taking the total human because the total human is designed to have absolutely everything that anyone needs. Check it out. Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey. You get 10% off all the time on everything. Sometimes there's a free trial. Otherwise, you just lock in the discount. So go to onnit.com slash Aubrey. And now an uninterrupted podcast with Lucas Mack and Hella Weston. Lucas and Hella, so good to be sitting across from you, especially coming on the heels of one of the most incredible experiences we've ever had in Fit for Service. A hundred people at a time with seven unbelievable you know, facilitators there supporting everyone. And it was as powerful i had so many people reflecting who'd done plant medicine done ayahuasca they were saying this was as powerful as any ayahuasca i've ever done and it kicked in fast with our crew i mean it was it was so potent so i just want to reflect 
to both of you like thank you for showing up and offering that thank you for offering that to the world and give people who are listening who underestimate breath work like you may think you know breath work a little bit you may have done a little pranayama and yoga you may have done some awesome breath work you may mm. but there's like with everything there's just levels yeah there's levels to everything and i just feel really honored that we got to meet and weave so i can see breath work offered at the level and in the style that you guys are offering which mm. really deeply resonates with me and you know so many of the people that i know mm. Thank you, brother. Yeah, it was fun. It was awesome. It's our, one of our favorite things to do. My name's Lucas Mack. And I'm Hella Weston. And we're co-founders <laughs> of Awaken Breathwork for everyone listening. And we've been blessed enough to be traveling around the world for the last five years sharing breathwork. But like you said, it's more than breathwork. We're really here helping people to release suppressed emotions and trauma and work through their shit and tap into their own inner guidance. And one of the things we really love to remind people of is that they are their own healers. You know, so when we enter into that space, it's a direct experience of transformation and healing and it's game on. It's all about giving yourself permission to feel your emotions and tap into your own intuition and open up beyond the veil. And for those who give themselves permission, shit, shit gets real. Like you said, zero to a hundred real quick. Yeah. Yep. As one of my favorite sayings is a healer can heal you. A master will teach you how to heal yourself and a mystic reminds you that you're already healed. Mm. You know, and it's always been like this beautiful guide that like, yeah, okay, yeah, awesome. You can heal someone, great. But then they're gonna be dependent upon you. Mm. But if you can teach them to heal themselves, just like the biblical saying, you know, teach a man to fish, you know, rather than give them a fish. And that's what's so powerful about this breath work is we're not all able to go rush off and do plant medicine, nor is it even advisable. Mm. You know, it's, it's very much a trial by fire to go down that plant medicine route. And obviously I'm a huge advocate. It's been a mm. big part of my life and I think it has amazing healing potential, but breath work is something that's just available mm. always right there in front of us. There's all of these trillions of atoms of oxygen that each one if you split would create an atomic bomb of energy and you can mm. breathe them into your body stack them up and then they start moving around and pushing out anything that isn't that energy of life force right mm. i mean it's like and it's fucking right here it's right here your breath is right here and i think that's been a, a theme that's been recurring over and over again, showing up amongst people that are drawn to us. Initially, there's the skepticism that comes up. I know how to breathe. I mean, Lucas even had it when I first heard about breath work and I felt like we needed to go and check it out. He was like, I already know how to breathe, Hella. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I don't need it. Been doing it for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I know how to meditate. I know how to tune in. We don't need to go Done and yoga. check this out. But I'm so glad we did because that first breathwork session that we experienced changed our lives. It was the catalyst for so much healing and growth and really became our obsession with breathwork. So yeah. it's, it was yeah. such a cool journey. And yeah, that's happened a few times in our relationships. Hella and I have been together for over 14 years now. And Hella will suggest things and I'll be resistant to them. And then she'll say it again. And I might be still resistant. And then maybe third time and it's starting to like click. Okay, maybe this is something that is going to be meaningful for us. And have you ever been right one time where you were like, Hella, I just don't think that's going to work. And then then you actually do it and it was like, see, that was a dud. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd say sure. usually I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Like yeah. usually I'm wrong too. But every yeah. once in a while you'll be like, Pfft. yeah, it's all good. Sure, I get those. That was some whack shit. Yeah, yeah. I 100% get those moments. Yeah. Well, we lived in 
Ubud and Bali for uh-huh. three years, and we experienced many of those moments where things just weren't resonating with us. Yeah. Um, but also a lot of learning, you know. And that's the that's the thing. Like, have the courage and the curiosity to go try it out. Yeah. yeah. Like, just try it out. Just see what it is. What is this? Okay, numerology reading. Well, I'm not really a numerology guy, but fuck it. Yeah. Like, I'll check it out. See yeah. what's going on. Like, let your mind be open enough to just come in, experience something. You've got so little to lose, especially with something like breathwork. So little to lose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so much to gain. Potentially a lifelong path that can help you heal, move energy, uncover things about yourself. The the risk reward of this, what's the risk? Maybe you lose a little time, maybe it's a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The reward is a lifelong, life-changing process. Like it's so in our favor yeah. to take a chance on some of these things. Yeah. It really is. I've seen so many people come into our sessions and expect very little or even on the other side of the spectrum hear a rave review about breath work and be like okay i don't think this is possible for me but i'm going to give it a go and they try it and you always get what you need that's something that i believe deeply about this work is your body is so intelligent and you will get exactly what you need. So even for anybody listening who has tried breath work before, I would say if you didn't feel that it gave you what you expected, the experience or the judgments of that experience could be more to do with what you expected versus what you actually um, got out of it. And it's something that we can keep revisiting over and over again. And every experience is going to be different. There's more to discover but you have your breath for a reason. Mm. And this ability to tap in and access these non-ordinary states of consciousness is there in our physiology for a reason. Mm. And the release that's possible is necessary in these times mm. with everything going on. Yeah, well, breath is one of our original medicines. And let's be clear what we're doing because there's so many different types of breath work. There's mm-hmm. literally hundreds of different yeah. types of breath work practices. So we're lying down and we're using connected breathing for a longer period of time for at least 60 minutes. Sometimes our journey is going to two hours. Um, and we're diving deep. You know, one of the first things that starts to happen is you start to feel a surge of life force and energy moving through your body. Your whole body starts vibrating and Mm -hmm. you start to open up and you can feel it and it's intense. And then you start to access more of your limbic brain, which is the part of your brain that processes memory and emotions. So memories are coming up. You're understanding yourself. You're feeling your emotions. You might be crying or laughing and moving through it. I mean, my crying ratio for breath work is like 93%. (laughs) If I had to just estimate based on instinct. Yeah. Like it's so, if I go through a breathwork session and I don't cry, I'm like, huh. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) That's weird. Yeah. You know, and I don't, it's not even that I go in sad, Mm. you know, and be like, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good today. I'm going to do some breath work. Yeah. (laughs) and it's not just like sometimes it's a few tears sometimes it's like deep belly sobs yeah like sobs for the pain of my whole existence and the existence of every being in the world that's suffering yeah and it's like fuck yeah wow that was a release curious to know as well on that are you are you a crier in your life you know what's interesting some things that'll get me to reliably cry is when i see someone willing to sacrifice themselves for the greater good so like if I watch Braveheart or 300, mm, I'm a fucking shit. mess. Like and it or, or Interstellar even, you yeah. know, like that that courage to sacrifice self or family for 
some greater good yeah that's what always gets me you know but like i could probably watch you know some of those shows about the dog that the sweet dog that you know unfortunately passes away and be like a little bit bored in that you know (laughs) but like you're like i can see how that was meant to happen yeah exactly it's like all dogs go to heaven i don't don't know you know but some things it's just every time i mean i've probably watched braveheart i don't know 10 12 times i'm a hundred percent tears yeah you know in in those moments every time i get activated (laughs) yeah yeah for sure so it's interesting you know i definitely and and certainly people's shares obviously we're in i'm in a lot of communities like fit for service these shares will hit me Mm -hmm. facilitating you know one of the things in the facilitation so as people are going through these journeys you know, I've been facilitating for three years now. Just mm. had the pleasure to facilitate your breathwork, which is just stunning. But mm. one of the things that I find really helpful is to create sympathetic resonance with the person who's going through something, yep. and allow myself to go into what they're experiencing yep. to help them move it and to let them know that they're not alone. Yeah. So I'll go in and I'll feel someone's pain. That happened with Eric, who's right there. Mm. I went over to his went over to his mat. And I could feel him just sobbing deeply, and I could I I knew the resonance of those sobs. That was the yeah. sobs for the collective suffering of humanity. Mm. And I just put my hand on his chest, and I said, "I know, brother. I know. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. And I'm with you. And that's why we're here. Yeah, you know, deep. it's deep. You know, yeah. and then I feel it, and then he's feeling it, and then you get in that, and and but there's you rise from that with like this yeah. solidarity of, all right, yeah, you know. So it's 100%. just such it's such a beautiful space to be in in this it's it's magical and human mm. at the same time yeah yeah it is I, I work similar to you me and Hala work very differently the way I work is very hands-on very mm-hmm. physical and I allow people's emotions to process through me I can feel everything that they're feeling yeah. and I'm not attached to it I just yep. feel it process it and let it go we talked about that and then just moving on and um yeah, it's so fucking powerful. One minute I can be shedding deep tears and then I can be laughing hysterically. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, totally. zero to a hundred and you we're just really moving do ride through those it. Waves with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so cool. It's honestly my favorite thing to do is just to see people unlocking and releasing and clearing anything that they've been holding onto on an unconscious level and freeing themselves from it. It's so fucking liberating. And we all go through shit in life, whether you've been through some intense trauma. I think just being born onto this planet you know we're all coming in with trauma you know a lot of the work that we do is healing ancestral trauma and ancestral trauma that's been handed down through the lineations you know of all our all our family there's just so much there and we get to walk through it and Mm -hmm. be courageous enough to like step in and do the healing and it's limitless what you can access. And like you said, you can shed tears for humanity. You can work on your family. You're working on yourself. You're connecting to your ancestors. You're connecting to your guides. And it's all a direct experience. It's all felt. Man, shit's mind-blowing. The first session I ever did, I was like this. My hands were up mm-hmm. like this. T-Rex. T-Rexing. <laughs> yeah, it's called Tetany. I was crying. My father passed away when I was young. I could feel his spirit coming in. And it was just this direct experience of connection with my pops. And my pops was just laying down the truth bombs. He was just letting me know that he was here. Even though that he wasn't here in the physical, he was with me. He was guiding me. He was my guardian. And it was so deep and it was so cool. And he was just like, look at all the shit you've been holding on to, son. Look at all my pain you've been holding on to. It's time to let this go. And, you know, together we're just moving through it. But it was so cool. 
so liberating. And that's one of the things I hear over and over and over and over at our events is people tapping in and connecting with loved ones that have passed over. Yeah. Even someone who's never had that experience before, having it for the first time, you know? So I remember one of my first breath works, I connected with my grandma who passed. Like, and we've connected in, in, other, in other ways and I connect with her less now. And actually there was a, a point in where I kind of realized that she was passing that connection to my mother who's still living now but it was like okay your mom's your mom's now in this in this spot i'm here but mm. you know like and she actually i had a rock that she held when she was passing and i gave it to my little sister and it was just kind of this beautiful transition but i remember one of the first times i connected with her grandma bonnie who's tattooed on my arm oh. was uh, was in breathwork mm. you know where she was she was right there and and other other times too in ayahuasca and it gives you you know, this is crazy talk for some people, right? Yeah. And and some people, oh, it's just a memory and a projection of the mind. Mm. But I would challenge everybody to think maybe those things aren't different. Mm. You know, maybe the sum total of our conscious minds and all the universe is one, mm. you know, mm. and like our thoughts and the dimensional realities that could be associated externally. Yep. We try to make this big separation, but there's really not. Yeah. That when we think enough about a Bigfoot, that there's a Bigfoot that exists in a dimensional thought reality, yep. yes, you know, yep. and, and dragons, are dragons real? Yeah, fuck yeah, they're real. They're just not, yep. you know, we can't touch their scales right now, but they're real. Yeah, and also connecting with a loved one that's passed over could be very subtle. Like I remember my first experiences, they could be easily brushed off. You know, it would be like, in picture form, my father used to ride motorcycle, motorcycles so I could see pictures coming in in my mind's eye of his motorcycles and him on his motorcycles driving them, being free. And I could have easily just gone on to the next, you know, in the breathwork session while I'm having that experience, but I tuned into it more. And as I tuned into it more, I could feel dad's presence there. And then you get the shivers up your spine yeah. and you feel that direct connection. And then you're open to it. So it's all about being curious, I yeah. think, and opening up with that yeah. curiosity. And so many of us have been raised to to not trust ourselves and that innate intuition that's there. Yeah, the, the psychic abilities that are there. Exactly. Of the, of the world being yeah. like, no, 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 that's bullshit. Yeah. It's just your imagine just your imagination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's something that's so important to us to mm -hmm. reignite that childlike curiosity and ability to tap into these different realms and to at least give it a chance. Yeah, you know, it's just like what we were saying with the breath, give it a chance, give yourself a chance to experience your own intuition, to connect with that loved one who's passed over. And even a lot of the people that come into space with us, they used to say working with a psychic or having someone else do that heavy lifting for them. And what excites us so much is empowering them to do it for themselves. Like you can be that psychic. You can have that relationship with that loved one and those guides or whatever it is that you're wanting to connect into that you believe is beyond you. It's right there. And it's about getting yourself into mm. a state where you're open enough to receive it, to perceive it, to trust it. Yeah. And then from there, you're building up an archive of evidence of wow, here are all the times where I was guided, where I mm. did connect, where I did have that experience that was so profound that I could feel it and I knew it was mm -hmm. true. And it it makes an imprint on you, you know? Changes we, everything. Exactly. When you feel it for yourself, mm. you know it's true. I actually think it's, and this is just my opinion, it's a little bit dangerous to work with psychics and external people because I've seen so many times, first of all, 
I think there are some people who can tap into some things and be really helpful, you know, like, uh, and I've experienced that, you yeah. know. Um, but I've also seen the majority of experiences that I've heard from other people is people maybe with limited connections or maybe no connections at all, but just you know want to believe they have a connection. And they'll start telling people things and it'll put frames. It'll put frames on their reality that then become reinforced by the belief in that. It's also why I don't like astrology. You know, I don't like things that put frames unnecessarily from another source. Mm. You know, I like going in and finding my own source. You know, like I remember a story of a dear, you know, sister of mine, and she went to a psychic and she said, and she was single. And the psychic said, oh, well, you're going to be single for another seven years. And she was like, oh, fuck. Well, here it goes. Yeah. yeah. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's like, and she's probably, yeah. the psychic's probably going to be right. Why? Not because she intuited it, mm. because she said it and the person believed her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My sister believed her. And now, now like that's going to create the reality. Whereas going into something experientially, you arrive at things and it doesn't mean you're always right. It doesn't mean like everything you see mm. comes into manifest. It's a possibility. Yeah. But at least it's yours and it's generated from you. And sometimes every once in a while, there'll be something that transcends your thought and it just becomes a knowing like, yeah. okay. Mm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's something I can unanimously recommend is breath work to find the answers rather than yeah. going to find this psychic or this person or this astrology chart like, that may be helpful it may be not it's risky mm. but like breath is like i can fully and wholeheartedly endorse that mm. yeah well it's all running through people's filters isn't it yeah and when we you start to explore all of the variabilities whether it's timelines and the various timelines that we're able to access and build upon in our experience there's that aspect mm. Then there's also all of the symbolism that comes through in our intuition. And this is something that I see in the work that I do and with the breath work as well. So many times we misinterpret mm -hmm. the message yeah, and it makes sense later. And so if we can receive it and take it with a grain of salt and be a bit flexible in the interpretation of it, I think we can gather more of that evidence and understand that it's there and it's real and our interpretation of it is where we need to develop. Yeah, the literalization yeah. of things is a big problem. Mm -hmm. Literalizing the Bible, literalizing our dreams. Yes. You know, someone yeah. appears to you in your dream and you're making love to them or getting angry at them. It doesn't mean it's that person. What does that person represent to you from a archetypal level? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like what projection is that? You know, and I think we get so used to being like, is it real? Is it true? Well, yes. It is, but you have to look deeper, deeper to the subtle energies behind it and the representations and the sim, you know, the symbolism behind it. Yeah. So that's why it's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of skepticism and a little bit of like, I don't know, I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, like that 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 attitude of hmm, maybe is very very healthy. Yeah, I think process. so. Being curious enough to just be open-minded enough to try something like you said at the beginning of the conversation you know there's many things that i feel drawn to try and there's other things that i feel completely not drawn to and that could change as well you know i think what you said is really important to be discerning around taking on board other people's opinions and beliefs 
And because everything is like you said, you know, there's multiple timelines and those timelines are forever changing. So, and we're co-creating our reality constantly moment by moment with our thoughts, with our energy and actions. We live in an, an intelligent universe that's always responding to every thought and every emotion and every action that we take. So we can't get too fixated on, you know, it's going to be this or it's going to be that. We're in this dance with life and co-creating as we go. And yeah, we just have to follow our intuition, I think, like you said, and trust it, trust ourselves. That's so important in these times. We've been so conditioned to give our power away. And I think now more than ever, we have to trust ourselves, come back home to our hearts and mm. lead from our hearts, lead from example. I think one of the more profound experiences that we all had as coaches and facilitators here at Fit for Service, of course, we had our sister Blue here and and we've been a part of you know different breathworks and everything is beautiful in its own style but the one thing that we really appreciated about you guys getting us ready to jump in with you is you were just saying you know we want your superpowers hell yeah we want to unlock your unique gifts like what can you offer and i think this is the the permission that we all really need right now yeah. of feeling what's possible and then having somebody say and just say, hey, like whatever your superpowers are, yeah. like fucking go for it. Yeah, because we all have superpowers. Yeah, you know, we all do, and we love that. That's our favorite the shit. Best. Activating our superpowers and permission slip for each and every single one of you listening to activate your superpowers in whatever way feels right for you. Mm -hmm. You know, because then we get to really do what we came here to do. You know, and mm -hmm. game on, game on, and yep. it gets so exciting yep. as you start to feel it, as you start to, you know tug on the threads of like what this thing is it's like all right more and more rope come then all of a sudden there's a huge a huge basket of medicine that you get to see like wow yeah there it is but it might just start with a little thread you might feel a little energy in your hands mm. so many people who i'm talking to right now mm. have that experience where all of a sudden like some fingers will get hot or their hands will get hot yeah and they're like it's just a little clue yeah of like something that's possible. Yep. And now we're relegated to a world where, oh yeah, it's all bullshit. It's not scientifically validated. Reiki is a bunch of bullshit. Oh uh, yeah, all right. You know, and I've been through a lot of whack Reiki sessions mm. where people, and I've been a part of it. I tell mm. this story too. I told yeah. this on the podcast. I've been a part of <laughs> these things where I'm mm. like, I'm doing magical things and I wasn't doing shit. <laughs> nothing. You're like, I think? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was just I like, hope. <laughs> I was like pantomiming something. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I can, after my apprenticeship with Porangi, I was like, oh, now this is what it feels like when I'm actually doing something. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it was, it's all good. It's all part of the process, you know, yeah. like pretend, experiment, feel things. And yeah. it, the intuition was right. I was like, yeah. I think I can do something with my hands. And I think <laughs> it's going to look like this. I'm going to spread it out. I'm going to swirl it up. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing nothing. Absolutely, absolutely I'm nothing. I'm tapping into a future <laughs> timeline where it will all make yeah, sense. Yeah, like someday <laughs> this will actually be doing something, just not today. Were you yeah. just practicing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just going Shout through out the to everyone practicing. <laughs> yeah. It's like air sex, mm. you know, just thrusting your hips into the air, being like, someday yeah. my goddess is going to be underneath me. Yeah. And it's going to be yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, there's so many people I think that were watching this can that relate to perceiving things yes. that are outside the known reality. Like you might be going to sleep, having your eyes closed, and you can just perceive an energy in the room and you're not sure what it is. And it might feel negative or it might feel positive. But so many of us have that constantly, but we just move on to the next. We just, you know, we decide to tune it out 
or maybe we feel afraid to explore it, whatever the case might be. But we all we all have those gifts. We were born with them. You yeah. know, we just lose them as an adult through our conditioning and programming. So it's really just permission to come back to them. And like you said, starting off slowly, it's subtle. It was subtle for me. Mm-hmm. And then it develops. It gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah. Spiritual fitness. you got to start somewhere and develop. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, the world is not only not accepting typically but it's also there's there's forces that have been trying to suppress a lot of this knowledge like i remember one of the most profound experiences i had was with my girlfriend in high school and she was in a in a deeply christian family and she had a very like very profound experience where she she was home alone with her mother and she was just frantic like mom we have to leave we have to leave because the dad was dad was gone and it's you know even tough to to tell the story because i i could feel her you know and she was just a little girl five six-year-old girl like mom we have to go mom we have to go mom mom was like no 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 sweetie we're fine we're fine we're fine puts her to bed and she could see spirits see things see things happening someone broke into the house Mm. and you know violated her mother Mm. that night right and and so she was accessing something but in that framework that wasn't you know that Mm. wasn't something that could happen and that's something that's like no 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 that can happen and all those gifts that she expressed were then like no 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 that's not real Mm. that's not in our in our dogma you know and that's just that's just the dogma it's not the family's fault it's not anybody's fault but that's Mm. the forces that have been in play for a long time saying like no there's only one way and anything outside of this Mm. is wrong and it's really been a shame because there's so many things that are possible you know for people and people have that but i had an experience with her she unlocked something for me the very first magical thing that i experienced was with her i was going to break up with her and we were sitting across from each other and i was like look it's just you know not working out and she like wasn't accepting it not in like a a mean way or anything she's like no and she was just looking at me in the eyes and i ran out of things to say and so we were just staring and it was the first eye gazing we had and she but she like wanted to get in so deep inside (laughs) me to tell me that this was not right Mm. that she was just like piercing me with her eyes and then all of a sudden the air got thick and white and heavy between us and i was like whoa and i would look away but i was so drawn back to it because i was so curious i've never felt that and i looked back in (sighs) okay look back in and then it got thicker and thicker and then all of a sudden i could see her as an old woman a crone and i could see her as a baby and i could see her as a skeleton and i could see all of these things and then i felt my spirit i didn't have a word for spirit it was before my psychedelic journeys began i thought this was all nonsense myself i felt something rise out of my body and i fucking lost it and i was like oh my god i got we got to stop and i just hugged her Mm. i was like all right never mind <laughs> never mind you win we're not breaking no. up you know yeah. like you're right i don't know yeah. i'm clearly i clearly don't know what the fuck i'm talking about yeah. so like let's you just like, bamboozled <laughs> me yeah, exactly and uh but then from there like i understood like okay eye gazing is yeah. a thing and yeah. it's something that we've done with the communities ever since but little things like that can mm. start to shake your reality tunnel yeah and when you feel it when you experience it then a new reality starts to set in that's Mm. far more magical and far more expansive than the narrow frame that we have 100 percent. you've got an interesting story around that as a kid i remember you telling me yeah very similar um 
it, it didn't go that far. But before I say that, I, I just wanted to touch on the fact that I think eye gazing is one of those activities that puts us into a trance-like state where we're able to open up. And one of the things that one of my earlier mentors used to share with me is, Hala, we're all in trance states mm -hmm. all the time. Mm. And there's just different trance states that that serve different purposes. Mm. And so you need to explore what is the state that you're operating in and what other states are available to you and how might they serve you? And when do you get into states that are really not serving you? And can you wake yourself up within that? And I feel like eye gazing, breath work, medicine, they're all different ways that we can, you know, put on a new filter or take one off. Yeah. and try on reality in a whole new way and then let that dictate and you know inspire us in how we want to show up next mm -hmm. and then to your point i had that was trippy when you were sharing that when i was really young i don't know how old but a similar type of thing my family was going away and we were going on a family trip and i remember i was really emotional and distressed and feeling a kind of panic about leaving, didn't want to leave, did not feel good about it. And my mum was like, come on, we've got to go. We've got to go. Like, let's get on with it. And I remember writing in my little kid handwriting. Can I swear? Yeah, of course. Fuck. I wrote, fuck, Shit. fuck yes. off. <laughs> I wrote, fuck off burglar on these pieces Whoa. of paper with my little crayons. And I put them on every bed in our house. And then we went away and we came back from our family holiday and those little notes were there and the house had been broken into. And, and for the skeptics out there, how many times did you write fuck off burglar? Just because somebody might say, well, maybe every time you left, you wrote fuck off burglar. No. And that was the one time. The one time. Yep. Yeah. The one time. Mm -hmm. And I know that really hit my mom as well, witnessing that happen. And she while she wasn't hardcore into fostering that in me, I, I know she was paying attention mm -hmm. and was open mm. to allowing that to, to be there. Mm. And so I kept engaging in my spiritual or multidimensional explorations mm. from there. And I, I feel like following what you were saying, you know, we get so excited about helping people to activate those superpowers because as children, it's there it's right there mm. and to minimize it and say that it's just imagination it's just play it's just for fun it's just what kids do is such a disservice to mm. the little oracles mm -hmm. that we are mm -hmm. and that we have access to we were just having dinner with a friend of ours the other day and the way that she's raising her children is in full respect of their wisdom yeah like if her daughter says i don't want to do that she's like okay I don't know why, I don't get it, but let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Being open and I think my mom yeah, fostered that in me. My mom's like this magical, enchanted little elemental being. She She's really cool. When I was growing up, she had so many books on the bookshelves with metaphysical topics and you know interdimensional beings and all types of things and energy and crystal healing. And she had different affirmations all around the house. So it was really cool that mom would foster that from an early age in me. And I was having a lot of visitation experiences when I was a young kid. I didn't have the words to describe them. A lot of them felt terrifying and overwhelming and I didn't really know what was going on at the moment. I just knew that there was something happening to me. 
and it was really strange and bizarre. Later, I, I would find out through, you know, journeying through hypnotherapy and medicine, I'd understand those experiences. But yeah, from a young age, all of that was happening. And I think for a lot of people it is, but we block it out. You know, yeah. we block it and out. And it's hard. And some people say, ah, well, that's just not me. I never had one of these things. You maybe just don't know or don't mm. remember, or maybe that subtle thing you know, was just not nourished or by yourself or maybe mm. by your parents. Maybe it wasn't blocked by anybody, but starting to get into the, get into the work, get into the process will ultimately reveal it. Because yeah. it's not like because you had all those books, you went you know, the easy route you know, through life. And so I think this is no. a great time for you because I think another one of the beautiful aspects of the medicine that you bring is, both of you, is that you lived some hard, challenging childhoods and some mm. lives that were difficult that gave you this breadth of life experience where you're like oh yeah and i've seen some shit mm. i've seen some shit and i know this other thing too you know mm. so if, if you wouldn't mind just share a little bit about your life growing up like mm. part of what made you who you are now mm. well yeah growing up for me i was blessed i had such a supportive mum. shout out mum, love you <laughs> um <laughs> She will be watching. She's his number one fan. <laughs> yeah. And then, but like, you know, everyone in life, my mom had her own traumas that she was dealing with. And I was a very sensitive, empathic kid that could perceive all of that. And I was an only child. Um, I internalized all my struggles. I didn't speak about them. Um, dad was a free spirit. He rode motorcycles and grew marijuana, which was illegal in New Zealand. Uh, he just did his thing. Like most men, he was really strong. Uh, but he didn't know how to process his emotions. He suffered from depression and anxiety and used drugs and alcohol to cope with how he was truly feeling. And he was on a self-destructive path, so I was witness to that from a young age. There was a lot of violence and different things I was exposed to. Um, and then he committed suicide when I was 10 years old. He shot himself in the stomach. And that was a pivotal point in my journey because although I could feel everything that was happening, I didn't know how to process it. Yeah. And I internalized it. And I could feel so deeply, but I didn't know what to do with it. You know, I spoke at the retreat here that I, I started to use emotional eating from an early age to self-soothe and numb out as a way to kind of cope with how I was feeling. I didn't really know, you know, how to access those emotions and process them. I would draw as well for hours and hours, just spend so much time by myself. I know mum was really worried about you know the path I was taking even from an early age she could see how self-destructive I had a lot of self-hatred a really low self-esteem and self-worth and even though there was these positive affirmations all around the house I was having my own experience of looking in the mirror and charging up everything negative mm. I was doing black magic on myself from an early age not knowing that that's what I was doing you know and um yeah that led down a really self-destructive path of self-harm and a lot of my friends you know joined gangs and went to prison and committed suicide and that path was always available to me it was right there and i was definitely on that path you know but i realized that i was exactly where my father was and i had to make a decision you know and the decision was either take myself out or start to figure out a way that i can start to feel my emotions and heal myself and i had no fucking idea how to do that or what that looked like and i was terrified i was terrified but I remember a lot of synchronicities happened when I made that decision. I wanted to heal. You know, I put it out there to the universe. I prayed. My darkest days, you know, there was just so much darkness I felt. It was like a dark night of the soul continuously over and over and over. And 
yeah, I started working with traditional Māori healers in New Zealand from a young age that do a lot of body work, myofascial release, getting into the body where the emotions have been held, working on you. I was crying mm. and screaming and letting <laughs> it out. You know, there was a lot of abandonment, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of frustration and sadness and pain, and it was all coming out. And it was terrifying, but also extremely liberating. Every time I'd do those sessions, I'd feel more free, more like myself, more yeah. open, more connected to my heart and my spirit. And I just kept on that path. And, you know, that led down a lot of studying and, yeah, enjoying studying different mod modalities, first and foremost for myself to understand, you know, all this healing that I was experiencing, how I could, you know, be of service to my friends and family because they needed it the most. And I really ultimately wanted to find a way to do it um, in a way that wasn't spiritual, in a way that I could show them how to heal themselves without these spiritual modalities that were having such a powerful impact on me because they weren't open to it. So I, I was really curious, how can I find a way to help the people around me that aren't open to these modalities? You know, and along that path, eventually I found breath work and that was the catalyst. And that's, you know, one of the great advantages of you as a bridge between people where they're at and people, you know, where they're free. Mm. You know, freedom is the other end of the bridge. It's our, it's really our goal to really be free and enjoy this life to the fullest. But one of the great things about you as a bridge that's been so effective is, you know, take our friend Jason Ellis, right? Mm. Like Jason Ellis can look at you. Love you, Jason. Yeah, I love him. <laughs> I love Jason too. But you guys have a lot of similar things about your appearance you're covered head to toe in mm -hmm. tattoos which is sometimes i suppose people can do that just because they love the art of it but mm -hmm. as you've described this is this this was your armor yeah and very much yeah. very much the same so for yeah. you know same thing for jason so you mm -hmm. see the remnants of someone who's been you know deeply deeply in need of protection and safety and, a, and an appearance of strength and this stay away from me don't fuck with me mm -hmm. kind of appearance and then you come with that warm that warm heart and that confidence and mm -hmm. but people instantly trust like oh wow like whatever i've felt and experienced this guy's felt it too so mm -hmm. i trust him yeah. so like we'll go there and it allows you gives you permission gives you access to if you want to go back and work with the gang culture in new zealand or any culture you could go to wherever you want you know yeah. Chicago or yeah. you know South Central LA or yeah. you know wherever wherever you want to say you could walk yeah. in and people would be like all right I'll listen to this dude yeah and that's such a such a gift so your whole life path has then now provided you the opportunity that all those challenges and everything you went through the opportunity to reach people in oh, a different it's a way blessing yeah I spoke to dad today in spirit actually hella brought him through and he was just like congratulations son and just like <laughs> he's just with me at this whole experience this weekend and just giving me a you know giving me a charge up and it was cool everything that i've been through is 100 percent, like you said it's my training to, yeah. to do the work that i'm meant to do and we're in it we're doing it now and it's a fucking blessing it's my yes. favorite it thing to do and i wouldn't have it any other way and that's what dad said to me this morning he was like i wouldn't have it any other way son that's beautiful yeah, yeah. that's beautiful hello tell us a little bit of your story yeah, so Lucas and I grew up in the same city, Auckland in New Zealand, and I grew up in, I guess, what you'd consider the sex district. My parents were DJs. We lived in an apartment, and from a super young age, they were hardcore into their techno DJing. <clears throat> I had a little brother, and so while they were out in this highly creative, wildly unpredictable creation mode, I was 
like a, a little sponge possum in the headlights, highly sensitive child who was witnessing and learning so much through observation and feeling. So I was kind of like my brother's little guardian and I would look out for him and we would watch what was going on. You know, Wednesday through till Sunday, there would be partying right through the night. Right beside my bedroom, there was a nightclub, you know, literally a thin wall. Mm. It would be doosh, doosh, doosh. And I remember just as a little child feeling so much and there was so much stimulus all the time and I was overwhelmed and I didn't know what to do with it. And so I became a master of reading energy and reading people's body language and emotions and needs and catering to the demands of the environment. And that led me to a dark place. I am grateful for it now. I mean, it's like all of us, right? It all makes sense and we wouldn't have it any other way. But by the time I was in my teens, I was severely depressed, highly, highly anxious. My nervous system was fried. I didn't feel like I could relate to anybody. I mean, I had friends around me and we had these superficial relationships. And at home by that point, you know, when I was a teen, I hadn't seen my dad for years. I cut off contact with him when I was about nine or 10, wrote him a letter. I think this is, it's a theme. I'm recognizing it right now. You know, I, I, and prophetic with my writing. And I think that's something that mm. is continuing to develop. I wrote him a letter and I drew little punching fists on it. And I was like, I'm, I don't like all the fighting and I'm done and I don't want you in my life. Mm. And he honored that request. And so I didn't have any relationship with my dad and my mom was really not in a good place. Mentally, physically, there was a lot going on for her that was super difficult and dysfunctional. And she has an immense amount of trauma, more than any client I've ever met. Mm. My mom has the most trauma. She was severely abandoned and um, adopted from birth like multiple times, just awful, awful stuff that she's gone through uh, in her life. And she, with all of the wounding, did the best that she could to raise me to be a kind, good person. But un it's unavoidable, right? People's trauma, when it's unresolved, it leaks out into everything. And it is that filter, that trance state that they're mm -hmm. seeing reality mm -hmm. through. And I became a bit like her mother. And we joke about this now, you know, years later, she's like, you're my mother. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, I feel that. I feel, I've always felt fiercely protective of her. And I remember from a young age, you know, we would walk out on a Sunday morning and go on the street and right in front of our house, there would be people who had been up all night being beaten. Like this one morning I distinctly remember, and we had this corridor down from our apartment and it was a glass door. And I looked out and right in front of our uh, apartment, there was a man on the ground and they're like Islander men and just this guy being belted. And my mum raised me to be a fighter and someone who doesn't let injustice occur without intervening. And so instead of us being like, whoa, there's things going on and this is not okay, go upstairs. She was like, come on, 
we've got to go and do something. And so we got right out there in, in the midst of it. And this is how I was raised mm. to speak up and to be the small, sensitive little fighter for the greater good and for the underdog. And I've given her that same fierce level of love. You know, mm. I will fight for her to the death. And just recently we went back to New Zealand and had this really, really powerful experience. She came in, uh, experienced an event with us for the first time. And wow. I was able to get right down there, you know, eye to eye with my mom, like hand just stroking her head. And it really felt like I was I was mothering her and this is some past life shit, mm. you know? We, we've done this before. And I just let her weep in my arms and let things go, let go and know that she's so forgiven and that she's safe and she's okay. And these are the moments that, that remind me of how the spiritual experience, it, it, leaks into it. it it seeps into every aspect of our lives and for me that was one of the most profound important days of my life so far because i know i've done the work on myself to to let go and i'm okay like the trauma the stuff that i've gone through yeah it was not ideal it was difficult it was unfortunate i have had many many years of daily crying sobbing feeling fucking hopeless, throwing fits of rage at Lucas, like not having anywhere to turn to with my pain, uh, not not feeling like anyone was there to hold space for me. Sure. But I think the, the wound that I had of being like, I am alone, I am so alone, I get to pour that level of love out into others because I am like a laser beam that just scans for people who feel alone in this world. It's such a deep pain, you know. Yeah, I fuck yeah. One, I was really, you know, deeply meditating on our fundamental human desires, and the first one that I came to was to be known, to be known, and that means to be seen. But beyond seen, seen oftentimes, you know, in the avatar way, I think they mean it exactly as, as I mean it. Mm. You know, like I see you as the highest level, but it's to really see, you have to know them. You have to step inside. It's what we were talking about earlier with the breath, like step inside their pain, mm. like see through their eyes, yeah. like see, like to know them. And that's what, that's the intimacy that collapses the loneliness that we yeah. may not even know that we feel, but we don't want to be alone. We want to be known. And many times we don't know ourselves. you yeah. know, we're looking at ourselves from a third person perspective of a frame of reference of, oh yeah, this is me. And we'll even write in our journals, like you need to do this. You need, we'll put it in the second person. Well, mm. who is that thing looking down at the other thing? Mm. And what is the relationship that that you have with you, this elusive, mm. you know, multiplicity of self that mm. we're looking at. And sometimes we don't know, sometimes other people don't know, but what we crave is to know ourselves and to be known by others. That's the yeah. draw for community. That's why loneliness is the number one predictor of early mortality in mm. all of these cases of depression. Mm. But the breath work allows that in a way that just talking doesn't. Like talking is the medium by which we try to fix everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah talk about it. Okay, great, great. Yeah. But you're going to be talking as a frac, as like a just a portion of yourself. Yeah. That's all of your past. It's really your past talking. It's not even your present. Mm. It's everything you've been through. It's your frame of references. It's yeah. the perspectives that have been shaped by a difficult world. Mm. 
And then you do something like medicine mm-hmm. or you do something like breath work and then you get behind that. And then what, you know, Richard Schultz, who runs internal family systems, he just calls that the, the self, like your real self, yes. higher self, yeah. capital S self. That part of you comes through and that part of you knows yourself and can be known. Yeah. And when you reach that place, like you did with your mother, it's so much farther beyond words. Mm. Yeah. Because you're really getting into the deeper levels of capital S self, knowing yeah. capital S self in another form. Yeah. And that's where the that's where the real magic happens. Yeah, that's the real healing. That's the somatic healing. Eh? That's what I love about awakened breathwork. It is a somatic healing. We're moving, like you said, out of the mind and into the body. And the body is the one that holds on to all those unexpressed emotions. Yes. Yeah, you know. And the subconscious mind, it's you know, it's a data bank of everything we've ever been through. And when we can tap into that and start to have a good look at how we've been operating and, you know, all our limiting beliefs that might be holding us back or, you know, all that pain that's beneath the surface, then we get to really move it. Like you said, it's super powerful. Yeah, I find that really interesting, like around the, the limbic system, the part of the brain that processes memory and emotion because it pro- it's non-linear. So it processes, you know, the the past, the present, and the future all simultaneously happening now. And a lot of us are current carrying around the past, all the times that we've been hurt or haven't been able to express our emotions. You know, we carry it. We carry that baggage with us. And then we overlay it onto the present moment and see the present moment through the lens of the past. Mm. And, you know, through breath work, you get to wipe that lens clean. You get to you know, redefine your relationship with your past and how you feel about what you've been through. And you get to move through victim consciousness and reclaim your power and have that direct experience. And then you get to see the future that you want to create. And then you get to condition your body to the future you want to create. And then that's when you start to really step into co-creating it because you see it, you believe it, and you know the action steps that you need to take. So you go out in the world and you get it done. Uh And that's where the magic is because I feel a lot of people's feel so alone and on many levels they don't feel good enough and they don't feel like they have a support system and they don't know how to work on themselves or heal themselves so they just get stuck in these old habitual cycles that don't serve them and they have no idea how to break it you know Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's absolutely it you know there's a very interesting experience that happened on the second breath work and I've been on this property here in Sedona for eight years. Mm. I've never seen a snake, not once. And I've been out here and I've been on the land. I've hiked up all the land and all the, all the different ways in summer, which is snake season. And now it's, we're in fall. It's cool at night and snakes are less active when it's cool. And right when we were doing this breath work, there was a rattlesnake right before we started that yeah. came across. And one of the, one of the you know, fit for service members was like hey came up to me was like hey there's a there's a snake over here and i was mm-hmm. thinking like oh probably just one of those docile snakes nah like full-on like seven rattles deep yeah. rattlesnake and it was this interesting thing and it really was very interesting when you sent me a message the next morning mm-hmm. because you sent me a picture of a card mm-hmm. and the card was the first i've never i didn't draw oracle cards or anything before i first came to sedona and i went to grace grove i met uh, I met Anahata, I met Porangi, I met, you know, a lot of like amazing allies in my life that day, Dr. Dan Ingle, all everybody was kind of gathered there at that point and they had us pull a card and the card I pulled, you know, which was during the first, that was the first time I experienced breathwork too, Anahata led me through a breathwork, mm. was a card of a rattlesnake and the mm. rattlesnake said, the, the thing that it said underneath it mm. was, 
the experiences you're currently going through are part of your initiation as a healer. Mm. And I remember it was so profound because then at that point I was like, it's really exactly what we said. All of my life experiences to that point were leading me to a path. And it feels like it's so interesting how this has now come full circle because I would have never thought of myself in the capacity as a healer Mm. ever until very recently, Mm. until my apprenticeship with Parang, until I started facilitating breath work where I understood that, Mm. oh, wow, I, I... I, yeah, I can say some interesting things philosophically and I can mm. put some cool ideas out in the world, but now understanding that like there's a possibility to heal and there comes the rattlesnake, yeah. you know, a decade later coming yeah. through. Wild. It was yeah. really, and really- just stop? Yeah, and I have my, yeah, I got a beautiful staff from Chris Isner and this is a very interesting experience <laughs> That was that too. cycle completed. <laughs> it really You're was. Like, you are ready. <laughs> yeah, it was such an interesting thing. Like yeah. this, like the, and you see that in, like the universe conspiring for these crazy coincidental things to happen and yeah, yeah so i had my staff this, this story was kind of funny how how it went so i i have my staff and i'm looking out at the snake mm. and i i carve a little line in the in the sand well first of all i got blue immediately mm. i was like i was like blue come here you know like we have some magic to do you know because certainly i don't want any violence on this snake but mm. obviously that was an option if the snake got aggressive you know, I was thinking like, all right, well, I have to use the staff Gotta to create the distance. People. I have to protect the people. Mm-hmm. But I was like, we're going to use magic as first option and violence as second option. Yeah. So I drew a line in the, I drew a line in the stand and it was really my like Gandalf, you shall not pass. My, and I somewhat regretted not saying that at the time, you know, but I felt like that would have like, you know, trivialized the actual experience if I did a Gandalf reference, but I drew a line in the sand and then I had blue, I Porangi taught me he did a vision quest in a place where there was a lot of snakes in Brazil mm. and he had to give like a, he put a tobacco circle around him to keep him safe and the mm. snakes wouldn't cross it even though they were like all around him they lived right in the place that he was mm. and so from that reference I was like all right I'll draw the line and then I'll have blue come with the tobacco and she comes with the tobacco and as soon as she gets in front of the snake like we were in this conversation and it felt like me and the snake understood us but I just wanted to be extra safe so I was mm. like we're going to draw the tobacco line, take this, you know, pipe tobacco and, and move mm-hmm. it through the line. Mm-hmm. As soon as it did that, the snake turns around and coils and starts rattling. Mm-hmm. And we're just looking at each other. And it was this very funny thing. I was like, the snake was basically looking at me like, oh, fuck you, man. Mm-hmm. Like, here I come for you as an oracle, you know, and we're in this beautiful conversation mm-hmm. and you have to cast a real spell, yeah. asshole. And I'm yeah. like, hey, sorry, man. I'm just saying like, this is like a hard boundary here yeah Yeah. and so we just had this very interesting thing and eventually it actually started to come around the back so i had to bring the staff like with me and then eventually you know we Mm. like communicated enough and it started to go off the other way but what a this is just one like small example sure could be just radical coincidence but if you open your mind to the magic and the and the conspiratorially beautiful nature of the divine working through everything Mm. then you could see that and another brother reflected spencer reflected that there's a a prophecy that he'd heard about when the snake people and the human people can rewrite the history of snakes and humans Mm. where actually instead of fear and judgment of other that they can have a deep reverence and respect yeah. snake representing that kundalini energy that innate power that we have that thing that we're accessing in mm. breath work all of that power that's mm. a part of the snake too yeah. and also 
being aware that all right yes that might be dangerous that might be something to be afraid of but can you love that too mm-hmm. yeah can you really like love that and hold that and not other that thing just because it's living its sacred purpose of having a rattle and having venom and being a part of this can you can you hold that in the same way that you would hold you know one of the rabbits that we see out here you yeah. know and not say that go oh, rabbit's good snake is bad yeah 100 yeah. well it's interesting eh? because as that rattlesnake was there then people were just getting ready just preparing to open up and shine light on their own darkness and yes. shed layers you know shed a skin so it's yeah. like you know it was all happening and going down i remember in that moment Heller and i just looking over and we we're like okay something's happening we're not sure what's <laughs> happening but let's let's activate the people yeah. we're yeah. going in turning yeah. it into a part of the experience yeah. i'm like Notice all the ways you get distracted. <laughs> <laughs> By a rattlesnake. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, it's a fucking rattlesnake. Of course I'm distracted. Yeah. Yeah, you guys handled it. You guys handled it beautifully. But yeah. yeah, just one of those interesting, interesting and magnificent things that happens when you open yourself to that magical space. And yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, for people who haven't experienced this type of breath work, I mean, it goes so deep that mm. it's like, it's unbelievable what people will be processing and going yeah. through. Mm. I mean, yeah, you'll is. see things that look like, it looks like an exorcism. Mm. It looks like they're levitating off the ground and yep. things are moving their body in strange way. And it's not a thing to be afraid of. It's a beautiful thing. This yep. is like part of a healing process. It's not, yep. you don't have to create all the stories about demons and possessions and all of this. You can if you want, yep. but this is all our shit, right. you know, yep. like, as within, so without, as without, so within. Like this yep. is a part of our shit yep. that sometimes it comes out a little gnarly, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know? Like sometimes you go on the toilet and it's nice and smooth. And sometimes you get one of those firm ones yep. and you're like, oh God, that <laughs> yeah. was a violation. Yep. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yep. And you it's know? all the human experience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, it definitely. is. We have so it much is. judgment around the human experience and we're so conditioned around horror movies and different things to fear the unknown, to fear what we don't know, you know, and understand. And yeah, a lot of really interesting things happen in these breathwork journeys. Mm. But like you said, there's nothing to fear. I remember when we first started bringing photographers and videographers mm. into the work, there was a, a couple of years where we were like, okay, this is too intense for the public to view. If you want to be a part of it, you're drawn into it, cool, you'll discover what's inside once you enter into the event itself. Mm. And then we made this decision that we were ready to start to share it. And so we began filming some of these experiences of people having these huge cathartic releases. And I know for myself, when I've witnessed kundalini activations or cathartic release, or even what we could consider an entity clearing, when I didn't understand it, my natural reaction was fear. Mm -hmm. And I think this is really important for people Mm -hmm. to understand is we fear what we don't understand. And once you start to appreciate the intelligence of what's actually occurring, it's not scary at all. It's beautiful. There's grace moving through it and it's important. It's necessary. And by judging it, we keep ourselves locked up. And this is the very thing that we're trying to do is unlock Mm. people's physiology, allow people to unlock these repressed emotions. Mm. And it's a part of really why we love what you do as well. And the ways that you serve, the conversations that you've opened up over the years. I mean, we've tuned into countless conversations that you've shared on this podcast and Mm. deeply resonated because spirituality is just not 
love and light. I mean, mm. as you were describing that snake medicine, I'm seeing that snake and that Garden of Eden mm -hmm. and how much collective judgment there is on the role of the shadow in this human experience. But look, this is, mm. this is the experience and there's contrast in all of it. There's learning in, in all of it. And in that experience, actually, that we did right after that snake showed up, I had a moment where I had a very confronting interaction with an individual in the group. And it was the first time I'd ever kind of had this face off with someone that I'm supporting. I'm like, whoa, usually people are like, thank you. I appreciate you. And mm. this, this individual that I was supporting was like, get out of my space. And in that moment, you know, as a facilitator, I, I'm human. I forgot feelings. Mm -hmm. And I was witnessing her and her process and simultaneously witnessing, my, witnessing myself and my process around that. And I'm like, wow, okay. God, the universe, the divine, whatever we want to call it, gave us the, the triggers, the snakes, the discomfort for a reason. Yeah to have a really interesting experience and oh, we're yeah. in it. What are we going to do with it? Yeah, I got um, the take the darkness lightly tattooed on my head <laughs> right oh, now. Yeah. Like darkness for me has been one of my greatest medicines. Mm. You know, it's been one of my greatest teachers. And there is so much rejection of darkness in the spiritual community. A lot of the spiritual community all about love and light. But a lot of that love and light is false light as well. You know, it has to be it's integrated. It's masquerading as light. Exactly. Because it's that spiritual materialism, I am better than thou. Yeah. Because of all of these things that I've done. And because I am love and light and you're in the darkness or you're in the shadow, I'm better than you, which yeah. is the ultimate shadow. Yeah, 100%. And it's, a, it's a trap. And yeah. I didn't realize how profound actually that saying is because it's not only take the darkness lightly, like, yeah, it's all good, but it's mm. like take the darkness lightly, like yeah. it is light. Yeah. Mm. You know, and like yeah. that's a, it's a beautiful reminder. You know, one of my, you know, guides and teachers is Paul Selig, who's a channel. Mm. And in his recent, in the most recent book, he has a line where he says, when you understand that God is everywhere and in everything, yeah. you also must understand that God is in the unknown. Yeah. And when you recognize and realize God is the unknown, mm. that is when you claim faith. Yeah. It's still unknown, but you know and you have faith that God is there too, even on the other side of what you're able to know. And that's what faith is. It's like, I believe even though I don't know. You know, and that's that's like a beautiful choice that we have. It's the antithesis of fear, mm. which is there's something on the other side, and maybe it's awful and horrible, and you know something dark. Mm. And it can be. I mean, lots of challenging, brutal things happen in in this life. I'm not trying to say that everything is good and it always works out because it it doesn't. Mm. Except maybe in a perspective that's so far above our own single life experience. Yeah that maybe it makes sense there. But the choice for faith is mm. the most productive choice that we mm. can have. Like the effect of that is going to have us live our life in a better way. And it doesn't mean to not have discretion or prudence, you know, the ability to see like, like ultimately I wasn't like, hello, rattlesnake brother. <laughs> come, know, in. Come, come into our circle and breathe with us. No, yeah. like you have to stay over there. Yeah. You know, like I get it. Thank you, yeah. but fucking stay over there. Yeah. You know, it's there's yeah. this interesting balance of, of how this all 
how this all plays yeah. but that choice for faith is gonna just be the most beneficial choice you can have for your own psyche for your own mindset and it won't make you less prepared it's just gonna make you less anxious less depressed less hopeless yeah and give you like far more possibility yeah well we've been so disconnected from our relationship with god source the universe right it's like a lot of us like it we were saying we feel so alone and separate from that and i think that was one of the themes that we're bringing through right that our divine union with god it's like mm -hmm. you know in all the ways we feel unworthy of that connection or all the ways where we're so skeptical and don't believe that it's possible to have that connection and we're just lost in the darkness wandering you know and for me that's what it was and it, like it took a lot of suffering before i opened up it took a lot of suffering before i was like okay, there's got to be something greater. There's got to be something that can pull me out of this darkness because I have fucking no idea how to do it. And, mm -hmm. you know, I need help, like help me, you know? And then through prayer, through curiosity, then life just starts to open up possibilities to start to slowly glimpse into, you know, ways that you can be supported, ways that you can open up, ways that you can start to feel safe. Because I think at the end of the day, most people don't feel safe. They don't feel safe. Yeah you know fundamentally that's it safety and freedom on that continuum this is something i've really been feeling into is that in order to be free and to feel free you first have to feel safe mm -hmm. and there's a, an amazing you know clinical study that was done where they had preschoolers or kindergartners you know young kids and they put them in a uh, playground with no fence and without having a fence they didn't feel safe they didn't feel they felt like and of course that's natural right like there's things that could come in animals people whatever it's not mm -hmm. your safe container mm -hmm. and in that situation they would all huddle around the teacher and they would barely explore all of the different mm -hmm. slides and things that were available in the playground but then they put them you know put the fence around the playground and then the kids were free to like run around and this is our life right now this is yeah. our this is our lockdown pandemic covid culture that we're yeah. in right mm. now where it's just how safe do you feel mm. and if you feel safe all of these measures feel incredibly restrictive yeah you know but if you don't feel safe well then you want more measures to make you feel safe yeah and then when you feel safe then you feel free yeah. you know if everybody's wearing a mask okay now i feel comfortable going out because i feel safe yeah. you know if everybody vaccinated okay i feel safe now now i can go out yeah. but it's just a people trying to claim safety and then those who yeah. already feel more safe are like no fuck this this is a restriction of my freedom yeah you know so and then on the other side there's ways in which people are afraid of some you know you know powerful cabal and totalitarian yeah. you know dictatorship that's going to move in and, and mm. take away everything and and I'm not saying that one fear is reasonable, the other fear is not reasonable. People have different fears, different levels of safety and different mm -hmm. things. And you start to see that. And then you look out at the world and you can have compassion. Yeah. Just be like, okay, I get it. Like you don't feel safe yet. Yeah, 100%. And that's okay. I think there's so much divide at the moment. Like the war on consciousness is the division between loved ones and families, my belief system against your belief system. And I see that so much at the moment. We were recently in Australia traveling around and running events. And in Australia and New Zealand, New Zealand, there is so much divide. Like it is insane the amount of pressure that the government is putting on people to get vaccinated. And some people are doing that out of um, choice. They believe that it's the right option for them. And then so it is. And then some people are making that choice out of fear. And then some people are just purely resistant to it. And it is really dividing families, you know. And it's sad to see. It's really, really sad to see because that tactic has been used for a long time, divide and conquer. Yep. And if it wasn't COVID or a vaccine, it would be something else, you know. And we all kind of 
see where we can fall into that place of judging, taking one side or the other, and then being righteous, you know, it may be right for us. So we believe it's the right choice, but doesn't mean it's right for another person. You know, my mum recently just got vaccinated and for her, that was the right choice. She feels empowered. She feels good in that choice. And it made her feel more safe. It made her more feel more safe. And that's what it comes down to, right? We're all ultimately afraid of dying. You know, it's, it's our greatest fear. And that's an important place when I was talking, I mean, I have these deep conversations with Eric, like how do we support the world? You know, we've, we're dreaming into this idea of united polarity, which isn't about changing people's minds or opinions, ultimately, other than the opinion that somebody else is completely separate from us. Mm. It's like, how do we recognize the shared humanity that we have mm. and understand that just because I feel safe doesn't mean that I should suppose that somebody else is going to feel yeah. safe. No, that's not. So, but at the same time, can we start to soften the jagged edges around death which is the prime which is the primordial fear right mm-hmm. like this is the thing how do we soften the edges and one of the great ways to soften the edges is to feel yourself as an energy that transcends our life 100%. breath work is one of the ways to do it you take so you feel an energy and an essence and this thing that you know mm-hmm. has existed forever and will exist forever you can put whatever word you want on that thing but you know it and you feel it and then it's all of a sudden like mm-hmm. oh well nothing's going to destroy this thing yeah. not a virus not a bullet nothing is going to destroy this thing this thing is eternal and i'm a part of it and then that starts to just soften the edges of this monster that we mm-hmm. have on the other side of the ultimate unknown which is what happens when you die but you start to understand that there is maybe you don't know exactly but you start to understand that there's something else there and it just starts to soften the edges of the monster and Mm. helps people feel more safe but i think unless until we start really going after these fundamental fears you know and and just trying to help people for themselves not tell them about it i can't say like hey, you know, something. there's an aspect of you that's going to transcend life and don't worry about mm. it. You know, like you're going to exist forever. And that doesn't mean anything. That means nothing to this. Nothing. The mm. whole body's like, mm. yeah, all right, whatever, fucking weirdo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go do more drugs. Yeah. You know, like that's the response. But then all of a sudden you give them a taste of it, like mm. a yeah. real anosis with a G. You give them that feeling and then they're like, all right, well, I still would prefer not to die and I mm. definitely prefer not to suffer. And I'm with you. Mm. Yeah, I don't want to die, and I don't want to suffer either. Yeah. But there's a f- the the jagged, rough parts of that just start to soften a little bit, and then it starts to get a little easier to be more comfortable in your skin. Hundred percent, it really does. I found through breath work that my level of knowing and surrender into what you're describing has it's it's just become my whole state of being. It really is such a beautiful state of peace. And we work with people, you know, all over the world and hear things like, but how do you trust? And I know it up here, but I don't really fully believe it yet. And I'm just not sure. And I'm, I'm finding myself still in resistance and yada, yada, yada. And like, even with purpose, you know, people say, I, I believe it's possible that I have a purpose, but I don't know what that purpose is. I don't know how to find that purpose. And through the breath or through even a diligent meditation practice, different ways of communing with yourself. Medicine is another way, so many different ways. It does become a felt knowing and it's so personal. I remember a conversation I had with a very dear friend years ago and he said to me, you are your father's business. And this was a kind of, I guess, 
Christian mystic type of statement that he was making. And I don't personally identify God as a father, Mm -hmm. but I really got what he was saying in that moment that it is between me and creation. It is between you and creation. It's between each individual and this one mind, however we interpret it. And if we're not connected to that and we're outsourcing that, no wonder we feel confused and skeptical. No wonder we're like, I'm a bit uneasy. Like, what is going on here? Because we're ignoring the very thing that would give us that great exhale of Mm. relief and knowing. And there's always going to have to be versions of ourselves or aspects of ourselves or parts of ourselves that are going to have to die to get to where we want to go yeah. yeah to be the person you know that we came here to be and live on purpose like we're going to have to go through ego deaths and an ego death can feel at times like you are physically dying mm-hmm. and you have to confront that fear and go through it but on the other side of an ego death is a rebirth you get to rebirth into a new version of you you know and we all have to go through that you know it's a part of the journey And it's uncomfortable and it's scary and it's terrifying, but it's extremely liberating and it's a celebration of life, you know? Yeah. People are so afraid of these ego deaths because they feel like a real death. When you condense all of the ideas of who you are, Mm. which is all of the references of all of the perspectives and all the conditioning and everything that's happened in the past, the ego is this this representation of everything that's brought forward from the past that says and is reinforced by the world of who you are. Mm. And if you're identified with that, these ego deaths are not trivial. And changing your mind, changing your perspective, changing the way you think about yourself, it requires some part of you or all part of that construct to die. Mm -hmm. And the ego will protect itself like any entity. It doesn't want to die. It's why there's so much resistance to breath work or resistance to these different things because the ego is just trying to survive intact in the form that it knows itself Mm -hmm. because it doesn't have the faith that as it gets melted down Mm. and all of the constructs get melted down in the fire of breath, let's say, Mm. that the phoenix, that new part of you, that new bird that has new wings and new feathers that can fly and soar through Mm. the sky, that thing is going to emerge from the ashes of your expired identity Mm. and allow you to be who you really are. And Mm. you'll have to do it again. (laughs) That phoenix will be flying around and it'll pick up a bunch of (laughs) muck and mud and dirt and projections and conditioning yeah. And all of a sudden, the wings won't work quite right. And You're like, it's I'm done. plummeting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Oh, there we go. I'll float. I'll float. And then back down, melting down the constructs into the ashes and then re-emerging. Mm. Yeah. This is like, it's almost like the respiration of, of life and yes. identity. It's like yeah. inhale, exhale. And yeah. as more comfortable you get with that, the more it's like, okay, well, here we go. Here's, here's this part of me that's dying. Yeah. And I know and I have faith that in the unknown, this new thing will birth. Mm. Yeah, that's the great surrender. I would love to actually open up a little bit more about that because I feel that for some people listening who maybe are going through an ego death of sorts and aren't sure if that's what it is, it might be helpful to just humanize it a little bit more and share about, about an experience that I had. So I'll start with the end and then I'll trace it back to how it went Last year in February, I broke up with Lucas and I've never spoken publicly about this. This was, you know, we've Mm. been our, we've been ride or dies. Mm. 14 years. 14 years, fully committed. 
we didn't ever break up, you know, in that time. There was never any like, we break up, we get back together. No, we were rock solid for that entire time. Mm. And what led up to that point where I broke up with him in a very real, intense way was about two years of receiving messages during my meditations and breath work and receiving just countless signs that I needed to leave the relationship. And the first time it happened, I remember I did a session with this healer. She is someone who I deeply trust. So when we talk about psychics and all mm -hmm. of that, right, you know, when someone gives you a message that is a shock to your system, it's wise to take it with a grain of salt. But with her, I knew that her intentions were very pure and it was super left field for her to, to even say that and she knew it. So she said, you're afraid of leaving Lucas. And I was laying on the table when she said it and my whole body just started convulsing and I started crying, sobbing. It was such a visceral somatic reaction for me. <clears throat> and I felt like I was witnessing it with confusion because I was like, absolutely not. For one, I don't want to leave him. I'm, I'm in this. We're, we're living our best lives. And so therefore I'm not afraid because there is nothing to be afraid of because that's not happening. Mm -hmm. And that was where it really began to open up a descent for me. That was when the Phoenix started to plummet down, mm -hmm. down, down. And it was two years of getting the message again and again and fighting it and denying it. And there, was, there were times when it would come through for me in a meditation. You know, I would see a, a being in front of me saying like with a, a big gate, like a gate in the cosmos saying, are you ready to walk through? Mm. You can come, but you have to come alone. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not leaving my best friend. I'm not leaving my beautiful life. I'm not leaving this contract. Absolutely not. And the suffering just I remember became, that was so painful for you. It was the worst thing yeah. I've ever experienced. And it came with a lot of actual psychedelic experiences for you too. You were, because you were in so much resistance and so much fear, you were also just having these spontaneous, you, I remember you saying you felt like you were falling into yeah. the abyss. And I would go into no ground out of the blue, like during the day. There were multiple times when it happened and I'd come up to you and I'd be shaking and I'd just say, the only way I can describe it is I feel like I'm falling down a tunnel and I have nothing to grab onto. Wow. And I told him what was coming through, which was difficult, you know, okay, I'm, I'm being, I'm feeling like I'm being told that we need to break up. Like, what are you meant to do with that? that's bound to bring up all kinds of pain and confusion. And you were just steady and there and like, okay, whatever you need, I'm here. I've got you. And I just want to see you happy and evolved and in alignment. Mm. And then it reached a, a peak point where I surrendered after all of the fighting. Did and I realized mushrooms? it came a bit after that. <laughs> well, I'll say that actually. <laughs> Briefly, so uh, 
I did mushrooms. I thought I, I had never done them before. And I got given this chocolate by a friend of mine. And he was like, I heard that, you know, you said you wanted to do a microdose. So here you go. I got you this. And I'm like, okay, cool. You gave me this. This must be a microdose. So I go down to the beach, Venice Beach, of all places, <laughs> the, the burning man of LA. Mm. <laughs> and, it wishes. <laughs> yeah, right. The, uh, the, the chaotic, crazy, you know, yeah. wild. Anyway, um, I don't tell anyone. And I go down there and I'm sitting and I, take, I eat this chocolate and I've got my headphones on and all of a sudden I'm like, this song has been playing for an eternity. <laughs> and I open my eyes and everything's like, whoa, 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 whoa. So fast forward, I find my way back well, to the house. At that point, you realized you hadn't taken a microdose. Yeah, I was, I was in. I was so in. And I got back to the house and Lucas and I, we met at the door and he was like, okay, I'll take you upstairs and look after you. And I remember I stood there just in my overwhelm and he was flurrying around doing, you know, Palo Santo, getting the blanket <laughs> out, all the things mm -hmm. that you do. And Loving I and magical things. Yep, to support. Yep. Yep. And I look at him and I was like, why are you being so intense? And he just looked at me and he was like, I'm just trying to make it nice for you. And it was like, boom. And I saw in that moment, that's a husband. That is family. That is someone who is just so devoted to my well-being in the most selfless way. And we went through a very deep, cathartic healing. I remember you saying, I'm afraid of you. Yeah, I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid of you. And we sat face to face and like looking at each other and you said, you're still in the old relationship. Mm. I'm in the new one and you have to meet me here. Mm. It was a very time-bending, mm. tripped-out moment. And a few weeks later, I think, I finally had this recognition that I would not be in my integrity to stay, even though it was everything that my mind wanted. And I needed to leap into that unknown, that scary, uncertain place and see what was there for me. And so I sat with Lucas and I said, this, this is it. I think this is, I'm terrified, but this is what I have to do. We need to break up. And we did a full, you know, uncoupling ceremony. It was actually beautiful. And, yeah. I was on a water fast when Hala told me this. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I was more tapped in. I was more grounded. I was more connected in that space. And I, I just like knew if this is what's meant to happen, then it's what's meant to happen. And, you know, we love each other so much that we're not, we can't control each other. You know, we have to let each other be free. Yeah. And I let you be free, fly, do your thing. <laughs> and it was extremely painful, but extremely beautiful. And we did just, you guys, when you were doing this process, did you know that you would ultimately come back together or did you do no, it for real? It felt like it was I think it's kind of necessary yeah. Yeah. to do it for real. Yeah. Even, and it's almost, almost like that, the idea that you would come back together, which probably both of you have enough intuition to know, that almost shuts off on purpose yeah. because you have to do it for real yeah. for it to be done in the right way. Yeah. Oh yeah, Possible. it was it was off. I've never even told Hella this, but during that time I was sitting in meditation a lot 
and I was calling in her next partner, someone that I could trust, someone that I could perceive, someone that I could see, and Ooh. I knew who they were in the physical, and I was just asking for that alignment to happen so it should be looked after. Wow. And it was really, really deep for me, and I just surrendered to the whole process. And yeah, it was a, it was a journey. And this is, this is what you would call a death portal, you know, like yeah. the relationship itself, which our egos, our identity constructs are so woven in mm. that the relationship itself, which almost becomes a third entity between you, you know, like that had to release yeah. so that, that those parts of you could release. Mm. Yeah. And in some cases that has to be for real. Yeah. And then, uh, but obviously the the purpose of which which you didn't know at the time mm. was ultimately to lead you into you know the new relationship yeah right? which, it happened which quick. i can reflect i can reflect you know i'm around people all the time in relationships and your relationship as i perceive it and i've only perceived you post you know post february or whatever because mm -hmm. i've only met you guys recently this is actually the first time i've seen you both together is this week mm. i've seen you separately yeah earlier than this but uh just such a beautiful such a beautiful expression of relationship but it had to die yeah one had to die for the new to be born yeah yeah i feel that what had to die was a story that i needed him to be okay yeah that i needed anything to be okay and we got that and it was rapid it's wild because in the lead up to it, you know, there's such an exertion of energy. And this is why I wanted to open up and share it because when you don't know why this ego death is happening, it can feel like your life is being ripped apart, like totally ripped to shreds. Mm. And there can be so much energy put into fighting it. But once you surrender, things tend to fall into their right place yep. quite quickly. It's the the lead up there that takes the most time and energy. Yeah. And for us, it was actually only about 10 days. And it's taught me also so much about relationships because I think in personal growth, you know, some people, and even in life in general, not just personal growth, but we can have expectations and stories around what a healthy relationship is going to look like and how maybe it's meant to be together for life and you're meant to work through these things. And if someone flakes out or gives up or walks away, then were they really at a stage of growth that they said they were or whatever mm -hmm. assumption we might make. And it taught me from such a direct experience that sometimes the most conscious thing to do is to walk away and to, to end something, to end a cycle so that something more aligned can be birthed. And we look, you only have to look outside to mm. see the seasons that come and go and everything is forever changing. And relationships, businesses, whatever the thing is, they have their season in the way that they are. And then life wants to express something new. Mm. And I'm grateful that we're able to express something new together. Yeah, me and too. you have to be mindful of the difference between walking away consciously and running away. Yes. Yeah. Because I've done, you know, the latter running away in so many different relationships. Things get a little squirrelier off, like, fuck it, I'm out. Like, you know, yeah. this isn't working, like, I'm gone. And, and that energy of running away because I'm running away from something instead of consciously walking, I would always get sucked right back in, you know, and that's a deep regret. 
even though everything was perfect and worked out with my former partnership was like man i did that a lot like i was like no nope, fuck it i'm out you know it's very difficult we were going we we're in a polyamorous relationship trying to figure that whole thing out yeah. not a lot of guidance and and support in that because there's not a lot of people we knew like us who were mm. going through it so and it was beautiful but i would run away and then be like and then then ultimately come back because it, i was running away from something instead of like moving consciously towards that new thing yeah and in my relationship with bailana i recognized that like this is a different paradigm and yeah i could suppose that hypothetically there could be an experience where we would need to walk away for a similar type of thing mm. but i knew that i would never run away like no matter what i would never run away and, mm. and in our death portals we had one recently in the ayahuasca journey that we had with el dragon mm. and where th lots of things were coming up and there was a lot of you know mistrust that was there from old timelines of old relationships yeah. that she had and every part of my old self would have been like you don't fucking trust me already like mm. after all this like i'm fucking out you don't trust me i'm out you know and i would have gotten all flustered and i would have run away well of course i would have run back and there would have just been all this trauma mm. but i just stood in it and was like no i'm here i'm not going anywhere mm. and you know knowing that if she needed to if she needed to go like that's okay i'm not gonna hold on to her mm. you know but i'm i'm here and i just would have said no matter how painful it was like i'm here i'm here i'm not going anywhere i'm here yeah. for all of it however long this takes if this takes years like i'm here for it i'm here for it and that was also the thing in that in our relationship that was so necessary it was for her to know like no no i will never run away you know if we walk if we walk in def different paths the only way that that'll ever go is still holding hands mm. just on our own sovereign journey so it's this interesting balance of like when it's time to listen to that because it's a walking and it's a walking yeah. towards another reality or when yeah. it's time to just say no no like yeah. i'm here i'm here yeah and uh you know, both are necessary 100 percent. and even relationships are so challenging because you know the pain body the ego is coming up for sure all the time and i remember one of my styles with my armoring was i just close off my heart and wall up oh i know that one too yeah i'm like <laughs> i a can master get real psychological i'm a master <laughs> i'm just mind yeah i'm a master <laughs> walling up and hello would always just bring me out of it but she had such a gentle way to bring me out of that it was a coping mechanism i used from a child you know to go yeah. inwards process my emotions become aloof and just figure things out on my own but hella would just reel me out of it reel me out of it this was early on in a relationship and then through doing that it changed our communication it changed everything there was an important time where i wouldn't share my thoughts and feelings with Hella. i hadn't seen you cry for the first few years of our relationship yeah I was so locked up and then that shifting to communicating everything like over communicating like yeah. sharing every every fucking thing like we don't even have the door <laughs> no closed when we has. take a go to the toilet <laughs> take a shit we have the door open it's like everything is being shared you know yeah. and it's like that process has been really healing for us because yeah we get to understand each other on such a deep level and it's safe yeah 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 shout out all the couples out there doing their thing that's it yeah that's it yeah. and uh you know one thing that i think on the on the topic of couples is i think it's it's very important for everyone to have their own journey mm. and but i also see very many you know in many cases when one partner says yes to something like breath work mm. and their partner is not ready for that isn't willing yeah. 
that creates a lot of a lot of tension and a mm. lot of dissonance you know if, if one person goes on a transformational journey and quest mm. and the other isn't ready and it's this delicate balance of like i honor you where you are and i can't force you into this yeah but it becomes it creates more and more distance as in its and lack of relatability like and i feel for the even the fit for service members who came here and many of which weren't with their partners and they're they got to go home and describe what happened in that breath work yeah you know and be like and but they they know that their partner won't know and mm. won't get it and wouldn't have felt it and that that becomes difficult and so it's this interesting balance of yes honor them where they are but also you kind of need someone who you can walk hand in hand with down these paths it may be a different path but it's this it's this interesting thing that happens on the mm. journey you you start to find like who do you who's going to go with you all the way into the deep into the shadows willing to do the do the hard messy work yeah. together and i think that is really important for the long lasting couples that i know is that both are willing in their own way whatever that way is to go into the deep yeah you know to go into the go into the depth and sometimes that it takes time sometimes mm. you have to just unconditionally love on that person and they will come around yep. at their own time and you can't force them nope. and you cannot change them and you just have to hold that space and take away all judgments of their journey you know i remember for a long time i would force people i loved around me or try to force them into personal growth and hey read this book or hey do this and it was just rejected and the more it was rejected the more painful i felt i was being rejected and the more separation it caused because i could see where they're at and i could see where i was going and it was just a dissonance um, but unconditional love is the thing that transforms all things you know so that that time and that patience with someone that you really love about that might be on a self-destructive path that might be doing things that you know aren't in their highest alignment and they might not be ready to change unconditional love and patience and setting boundaries and speaking your truth all of it you know but it's a part of the journey you know we all mm -hmm. take our own steps towards this path very at different times you know and those times are all in you know divine alignment so we have to honor that yeah it's and it's not anything that anybody can answer for you mm. there's no should i just cutter. stay in unconditionally love and learn the lessons of how to unconditionally love even though it's challenging yes mm. maybe that might be the most productive thing or should i go out on my own and and find something else that's indifferent i don't know yeah. <laughs> nobody knows yeah. mm. and like it's so difficult to know because both paths have learning and i think yeah. when you adopt that mindset of like i can learn in any situation from any situation then the practical advice what should i do becomes very difficult like because yeah. you see the learning that's available on both paths yeah radically unconditionally loving is mm -hmm. a is a portal that goes as deep as as you could possibly go you so know true. and the and, soul knows the heart knows ultimately yeah, yeah. so you have to be tuned into your heart and you have to know on that soul level what's right for you right I feel that a really important part of that process for anyone who's going through it is to be very honest about whether the relationship is still allowing the person to be present with themselves mm -hmm. and proactively on the path for themselves or mm -hmm. if there's an abandonment of self going on. Because as soon as there's an abandonment of self, an abandonment of one's own needs, that is harmful 
And for example, if, you know, for certain individuals being in a relationship with someone who's like, I don't want you to go to that retreat. I don't right. want you to do mm -hmm. that thing. That's very different to someone who's saying, I don't want to go, but you go. And I'm excited to hear yeah. all about it when you get back. And there's other ways that you grow together. And those mm -hmm. fundamental values are really important. You know, wanting to grow together that's important. If you're recognizing in a partner and you're honest with yourself, if you're willing to look at the scary stuff and you're like, this person is not wanting to grow in the way that I know my soul is wholeheartedly committed to and yeah. needs in order for this life to feel like it was lived fully, mm. honestly, in alignment with, with myself. And so that's the hard conversation that needs to be had with within yeah and it can be scary you know i mean if people don't have a that deep sense of self-worth and self-confidence yeah your partner growing your partner being free and really exploring their magical potential in all yeah. the ways can be like ah yeah. like stay a little smaller like yeah. fucking don't go supernova on me like i don't have the hands to hold that like i fucking these are these are made of soft little flesh i need like <laughs> the core of meteorites to hold you as your burning star like i can't you know and that's really what's going on you know it's like but but ultimately they'll project it in other ways find yeah. other excuses yeah. find a way like to denigrate the practice itself yeah. or but really what they're saying is like fuck i'm afraid that if you get too big you're gonna leave me because yeah. i'm not able to meet you in your bigness yeah, yeah. and know? also maybe they don't understand like mm -hmm. what we were talking about earlier with witnessing someone in a strange process we're like that's weird i don't like it mm. i want to go with what i understand what feels inspiring and exciting and sparkly yeah, and sure. attractive someone was to me watching the breath work like watching their partner go through it yeah and not breathing at all mm. they'd be like what the fuck <laughs> What I don't want you to are do you that. Guys doing? That is not cool. Yeah. Nor safe, nor advisable. Stop yeah. immediately. What What have you done to them? Yeah. Um, but I've seen this even with Lucas. You know, in his in his look, being such a tattooed guy, I can't even count the number of women who have contacted me and been like, "Babe, thank you for sharing the work that you do with your man because my partner." would never have given any of these hippie dudes a chance. But when they saw Lucas, they mm -hmm. were like, all right. Yeah, that's what I saw when I came to, you know, when we served on the weekend, there were yeah. so many men out there and they were all curious and they were all open. They might've been skeptical, but they were here and they were willing. And that's the same thing that I see at our events. When we first started, it was all women. We could be lucky to have like one man in the audience, you know, that would show up. And then over time, you know, more and more men are showing up to do the work. And now we, we like all the men that are coming to our events, they're all heavily tattooed men that are not really into any form of, you know, personal growth, but they're there. They're showing up and doing the work and yeah. it's fucking cool. We had it's a guy, awesome. we had yeah. a guy just at a last event that we did a couple of months back and he was this big pro bodybuilder and he called for the mic and shared at the end and he was like, I've got my partner here and she's a hippie and, you know, I've loved her in spite of being a hippie all of these years <laughs> and let her do her thing. But now that's not my shit. You know, I'm into fitness. I'm into my bodybuilding, all of that. And he was like, 
Well, today I've realized, I guess I am a hippie too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that permission, you know, yeah. and I think that's a, that's something that I try to bring forward too, is like, you know, the physicality, like mm. lifting kettlebells and yeah. maces and training. And then of course, Kyle's a part of the program and he's, you know, looks like fucking Zeus, yeah. you know, just coming through an <laughs> ex-pro fighter. And we're like yeah. sitting there crying and talking about breath work and medicine <laughs> and things like that. And people are like, well, all right, I guess if they so. can do it. Yeah, I could. and you know, like, all right, what do you want to talk about? Business? You want to talk about hoop? You want to talk some shit on, on the court? Like, mm. we'll fucking go get it. Like, we'll mm. see what happens. But mm. right now, we're going to talk about like that soft stuff underneath the surface. And mm. people are like, okay, well, I guess I can do that too. Mm. It's just permission. Yeah. Like, everybody's just looking for that permission. Yeah. You know, permission to, and you know, Vilana offers that in, in, so many ways as well like mm. she can get out on the dance floor and fucking twerk in a way that is like a hypnotizing trance where you're like <laughs> fucking what just happened you know and like bring all of that energy and and you know women will be like fuck i want that too and then she's yeah, like, be like this is allowed yeah then she's like singing in her angelic presence and being like oh wow that you can do both i love that shit that's my favorite yeah. shit like i love to ride motorcycles i love fighting like kickboxing and yeah. boxing and i love watching ufc and and then I love playing crystal balls. <laughs> I fucking yeah. love all of it. Like, you know? Yeah, so totally. Good. That's our birthright. That's, yeah. just, that's what we're here. It's not to be one thing. Mm. It's like, let's taste it all. Like yeah. this idea of the warrior poet was one of the first ideas I latched onto, which is these two opposite concepts of like, no, no, let's merge those together yeah. and like be all of it. Yeah. Allow ourselves to express in the fullest way possible. Doesn't mean you have to, yeah. but you can. Mm. And yeah. you have permission. And it's yeah. just like, handing out like those massive permission slips so yeah, it's huge it makes me so just honored to be aligned with people of the same mind you know in the same Likewise. spirit yeah so i'd like to close this here with an opportunity so we haven't talked about the technique mm. of how you teach breathing because mm. it's a little bit different mm. um similar but mm. a little bit different and so maybe go through you know a quick breath work mm. and then let's just channel whatever messages come through we'll just go around in a circle we'll do a little breath work we'll teach people how to do it yeah and then uh and then channel whatever messages come through love it so yeah awakened breath work we use a connected breath um it's a full body breath so we're breathing from our belly up through our diaphragm up into our heart space into our clavicle full power baby all the way in and then a nice soft exhale um that's what we're doing we have a signature practice called awaken daily uh it takes about five minutes to do so a small sequence and then at the end of the sequence you're tuning into your intuition by asking yourself the question what does my inner guidance want me to know right now and Heller and I do that every single day and if someone sometimes multiple times a most day. definitely yeah and if I anyone did it this morning let's go <laughs> and if anyone wants to try out that practice if you've been looking for a breathwork practice but you don't know where to begin check out awaken daily um, you can learn it for free on our website awaken.com awaken with an o um and yeah get amongst it and if you fuck with it do it every day it's a great way to let go of stress and tension it's a great way to get all the health benefits of a breathwork practice which is there's many you know um but for today i think we just take 30 deep connected breaths and teach the the style of breath when you first came to teach me at the house 
is it's a softer breath almost through the back of the through almost like the mm. back of the throat yeah. and of course you know we all know that the way that a human being should breathe through daily life is in through the nose out through the nose this yes. nose breathing you know matthias de stefano came and explained like this is the essence of spirituality coming from yep. spirare the latin you know which is to to breathe yep. right and so that type of breathing through the nose is the type of breathing that you do but when you want to really build prana build energy and start to create a shift in the body then activating that you know breathing through the mouth is the most powerful way to actually build that in the in the quickest way possible but the way you taught it it's even faster than any way that i've known because you're incorporating the body and allowing your structure to open more space all the way through your belly and the softness of the breath is also something interesting so if you want to just demonstrate that a few times i know mm. people will be listening but maybe even they can hear it what it sounds like because it's not like yeah. you know it's none of that there's no no, no theatrics or pushing mm -hmm. to the breath yeah it's effort on the inhale and then easy exhale so exactly like you described we don't do straw breathing we're not like we just allow the whole face to relax as much as possible and let your throat and your lungs do that work to draw in and let go. And so if you pull their breath in, every inhale is with effort, the exhale will actually just take care of itself. And we've been speaking, you know, throughout this conversation, the breath is a reflection of the cyclic nature of life. And there's a time to put an effort. There's a time to pull, to draw, to like use that force. And then there's a time to let go. And so we mirror that in this practice to fully, fully surrender on the exhale. Just like you have a tissue that's drifting, dropping, and it, it just flows out of the body. Breath work, baby. There's a component of work. Yes. So shall we demonstrate now? Yep. Um, we'll close down our eyes. And Hala and I will just take 10 breaths. And you can kind of see how we're breathing and hear how we're breathing. We, Hala and I will breathing, be breathing differently. We have a different lung capacity. And every single person at home watching this, you have your own different lung capacity in the way that your body will respond to breathing with connected breathing. So we're taking away the pause between our inhale and exhale. In everyday life, we have a pause, which is natural. But for this technique, we're getting into a flow state. So we can begin in three two, one. And as you do this practice, you'll feel maybe some lightheadedness, some tingling, some vibration in your body. So we recommend doing this practice seated. Or lying. Yeah. No driving, fam. Yeah, keep it safe. <laughs> no sitting like Humpty Dumpty yeah. on top of a wall. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Keep it grounded and cozy. Yeah, this is an activating breath work. So you will feel energy moving in your body. You're stimulating and energizing and activating and tapping into your life force. So it's powerful. Yeah. yeah, and in the practice that we teach, Awaken Daily, which you can go and access, we're doing rounds of that breathing. And then really the most important part is what we're building into. 
we access this non-ordinary state of consciousness super quickly through the breath work. And then you're ripe and ready to ask, what does my inner guidance want me to know right now? And to feel in the most subtle ways how your inner intelligence is communicating with you in a way that if you are in your waking consciousness, busy, stimulated, focused on all of the outside things, you might miss it. And this practice every day is just such an awesome way to increase your intuition. Mm. And we get all kinds of ideas. I mean, we get messages from clients all the time and people who are in our events who are like, I did that practice. I got this amazing idea. It was so random. Never would have thought of it in my daily life. It was just left field and went and took action on it. And now I'm I've moved to this other place and I'm living in this epic hmm. house and, you know, yeah, all uni- kinds of things. The universe or your higher self, it whispers in the stillness yes. and the stillness can come in the silence after moving through some of these layers of distraction and these things that come up. Hmm. So I'd like to invite um, everybody here in the room hmm. to join us in. And um, the number that's coming to me, if you guys are feel resonant with it is 51 breaths nice. Love it. 51 breaths and again if you're driving you know push this pause on this podcast or just listen through it you know make sure that you're safe when you're doing it yeah but everybody here in the room and then us and then let's say we go through these breaths and then uh just offer offer any message that wants to come through trust our own intuition and yeah. uh and see what see what transpires as we just share from our hearts Okay, I'll keep us on track by counting because one of the things when you're starting off with this breathwork practice is you can lose count. You can just kind of drift off and forget to breathe. So everyone at home, let's just tap in together and um, yeah, try keep up. We'll be breathing, you know, at a reasonable pace. So if you feel lightheaded or tingling or anything like that, just know that it's a part of the journey and you're safe. It's safe to breathe and it's safe to feel. If emotions come up, even through this little practice that we're about to do, Embrace your emotions. Give yourself permission to feel your emotions. So we'll go for our 51 breaths in three, two, one. Let's get it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, and slowing down ever so slightly, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, slowing down even more, nice and deep, that's it, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 
50, going for your last nice deep inhale and a nice big exhale, 51, letting everything go and we're holding our breath empty for whatever amount of time feels good for you and your body. And whenever you're ready to breathe again, whenever it feels right for you, you can bring your breath back to how you breathe in everyday life, breathing in through your nose and out through your nose if that feels good for you. What does my inner guidance want me to know right now? Feel into your hands. In the hands you feel the energy, energy of what you've been holding on to, clinging so tightly. Time in our life is always like a rushing river. And as we try to cling to experiences, to things in this river, our hands get exhausted on the rocks, cut by the jagged pieces as the river of time flows away, attached to our youth, attached to what we once were, holding tightly to an idea of who we should be, to be loved, to be worthy of love. Know that if you let go into that river of life, guided by the source leading to the ocean of the divine. You will experience everything without grasping, without clinging. The joy of every moment on that river, the sun kissing your face, a face that will weather in time, but will radiate the light within and your hands can just start to let go. Let go of that which you've held for so long, knowing that you are loved, knowing that you are held, that you are forgiven, always. And there is only one destination for that river, and that is into the Sea of Love, capital L, Love. And no matter what, this is where we're all headed. So can you enjoy your time spent in that river? Can you savor it? Can you let your shoulders drop and your jaw unclench and find the travelers of the way, share a laugh, share a smile? Share and embrace. Taste and breathe and smell and live. May it be so. Shout out to everyone in the struggle, feeling like they're never going to make it out. Trust yourself. Trust your vision. Take aligned and inspired action. And just know that whatever you want to create in this world, if it lights you up and inspires you, is your birthright. Don't listen to the doubters or the haters or people that don't see your vision. 
The reason they don't see your vision is because it's your vision. Trust your vision. Take action on it. You are guided. You are loved. You are supported. And the universe has your motherfucking back. Let's get it, y'all. Mm. Gonna click to that. <laughs> I entered this world as a tourist, a child with a plan who didn't need molding or shaping, only guiding. I've realized along the way that I've made myself uncomfortable trying to make others comfortable, giving them more space, more real estate in my mind. than is serving me to adventure through this world in the free way that I always intended. As I clear out what I let in, I make space to remember. It's a plan so innate I don't even understand it when I use my mind to analyze over something that came from so far beyond this place that to attempt to grasp it would only be a distraction from the great tour I entered into this place to experience. And so here and now I give myself permission to enjoy the trip and to gently set myself and others up to tour with space, to share in experiences and connection without getting in the way of myself or others anymore. I choose to enjoy it, not to understand it. I choose to trust it and be present with it, knowing that I chose this, I'm here for this, and I am safe in this. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into this podcast with Lucas Mack and Hella Weston. If you want the opportunity to get to work with them, they are going to be offering their medicine at the first Fit for Service major core summit. It's going to be near Austin, Texas in early March. And we love you. So as soon as those dates and that program is announced, make sure you check out aubreymarcus.com slash fit for service and hopefully we'll be there breathing with you once again 
aubreymarcus.com slash fitforservice, and the program should be announced sometime here in December.